0: You know, as a boy, I recall this one time when my mama said, Billy, I hated when she said that. Billy, take out the trash. Hoping to get some kind of allowance, I looked at mom and I said, well, what's in it for me? Can I just say, don't do that. That is not a good idea. Amen. But here's what my mama told me. When I asked her, what's in it for me? Mom said, son, I will feed you. I'll put a roof over your head. I'll provide clothes for you to wear. And I'll make sure you get an education. You know, sometimes we have to have things put in proper perspective. Amen? Mom did a good job. Getting a fresh perspective can really help us see things as they really are. And my prayer for you today is that you are going to see your relationship with God as it really is. And as you come to worship Him today, I pray that you're going to see your worship as it really is. Now last week we learned that diligent prayer, righteous living, and a willingness to present just some kind of witness can truly impact those in your sphere of influence for the cause of Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, people view Christianity as a religion that excludes people. They think that God, since God's Word clearly says that Jesus is the only way to the Father, they think that since The Bible says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They think that God excludes them. But last week in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, we were reminded that that it's quite the contrary to that. It says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for all people. So, God is not exclusive. God is completely inclusive. He wants everybody to be in heaven. The sad thing is, is that many don't come. And when people come to this place, when they come here to Bethel Baptist Church they should experience God. They should interact with people of God who have been touched by the hand of God and who have been changed in their life. When people visit this place, they should experience God's love. They should experience God's grace. They should experience His care and His worthiness and His deliverance. And ultimately, we pray that they're going to experience God's salvation and that only comes one way and that's through the only only begotten son jesus christ so when we say that we're touched we're not talking about being touched in the head we recognize that we're all a little touched amen we recognize that we're touched in the heart we've been changed our lives are different because of god and jesus christ but what really excites me here at Bethel Baptist Church is that we realize that God has extended his favor to us. We realize that God has extended his forgiveness of all of our sins. And we realize that God has extended his love toward us. And the, her freedom. We're no longer in bondage to that sin. And you know what? Because we realize that, we ought to celebrate. Every time we gather together, we ought to celebrate that God has extended those things to us. Every single time that we gather to worship, we should experience God's presence in a fresh and new way. And we ought to celebrate the fact that we're sent with God in His presence. Every time we meet together in this place, we can rediscover over and over and over again that through the Holy Spirit, listen to me, God is here. He is here this morning. He is with us. So that being the case, how should we respond to that? Well, I say we ought to be overjoyed that we can come together in the presence of God. Imagine that. You see, the whole idea that we have of Jesus should not only be as a historical truth. It ought to be a very real and present reality. He is Emmanuel. He is the with us God. And listen, he is here this morning. With us here today. He is not some far off savior. He is our close our caring, our compassionate God who has revealed Himself in creation. He has revealed Himself in salvation. And He has revealed Himself in sanctification. That is, He's making us more and more and more like Jesus every day. But even though God is here, sadly, we often miss Him. Often we come to this place. We walk out the same way we walked in, and we've actually missed God. We've actually missed how he, how he reveals Himself when we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, there are often barriers. There are barriers that we need to break down that keep us from Him, and sometimes keep Him from us. And we've got to break down those barriers. For example, our priorities in life. Perhaps the desires that we have, maybe our sins prevent us from the enjoyment and the pleasure that God desires in meeting with us as a church family. But when we steadily strive to adjust our priorities, when we seek to align our desires with His... And when we really take a bold stance against sin, then we'll find all kinds of crazy ways to enjoy and be overjoyed here in the presence of God. So today, as we study Psalm 84, Psalm 84, and I didn't get what page that was in your Bible this time, but as we study Psalm 84 today, I want you to see three fresh perspectives that explain how we can experience God in our worship. Let's read it together in Psalm 84. I'm going to just read the first four verses to start. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you, Selah. Selah just means, chew on that. Amen. Friends, the first perspective that I want you to see is that God is our sanctuary. The first thing we see is that worship demonstrates a heart that desires God. When you come here, God looks on you and he says, she wants to see me. She wants to know me. She desires me. She desires to encounter me, experience me. And so the first thing we see is that worship demonstrates that, a heart that desires God. You notice what the psalmist said. He said, his soul longs. His soul yearns for God even to the point where he faints. I mean, that word long, it kind of gives the idea of this loud cry that is associated with even heartbreak or pain. This psalmist simply must experience God even if it involves pain. The pain that comes sometimes with the conviction of sin. You know what I find that I can only worship God. When I've been convicted of my sin. And have resolved in my spirit. That I'm no longer going to walk in that way. But I'm going to walk in God's way. That sometimes is painful. But it's also cleansing. So that describes having this kind of compelling hunger. A compelling hunger to know God. A compelling hunger. A hunger that only God can satisfy. Friends we too ought to be developing an appetite for God. You ought to come in here starving for Him, amen? You may have been feasting on Him all week, but when you come here, you ought to be hungry for God and ready to experience Him in a new and fresh way. The psalmist says, there is a place where his spiritual hunger is satisfied. Do you know where it's at? His appetite is satisfied at the house of God. Why? Because that's the place where he experiences God with all the other believers. In his area. So I believe that worship demonstrates a heart that truly desires God. Can you say that this morning? That your heart truly desires God in every way. But I also believe this shows that God calls us to worship together. We recognize that you can worship on your recliner, you can worship in the bed, you can worship on the lake. You can worship anywhere, but God wants us to worship together. Now, back then when this psalm was written, the temple courts were the place to be. I mean, that's where people wanted to hang out, right? And just like birds have a home and birds find rest, we too should find a home here at church. We too should be able to come to this place and relax and rest in the presence of God, to rest in the house of God. See, as the first-century church was coming together, they gathered together not only because church was their home, not only because they got that rest they were seeking, but also because they found strength in unity. How many of you know there are, we're a lot stronger together than we'd ever be apart from one another? So let us gain this strength in unity. That reminded me of this article I read. In the May 1987 National Geographic, there was an article about the Arctic wolf. Great article. And the author described how this seven-member pack of wolves had targeted some musk-ox babies. Right? They're kind of surrounded the musk-ox calves, and those calves were guarded by 11 musk-ox adults. As the wolves tightened their circle... And got closer and closer. What the musk oxen did. Is they gathered in a semicircle. Their heads were pointed inward. And their deadly deadly hooves were pointed outward. And the babies were in the middle of the semicircle. And as long as they remained together. As long as they stayed together. Their calves remained safe. But then one single ox broke ranks. One ox broke ranks and the whole herd scattered. A battle ensued and the adults finally, all of them, fled in panic. And that left those babies at the mercy of those predators. Not a single calf survived. Listen to me. We need to be watching our calves. We need to be watching our babies. We need to be protecting our kids from predators. And there's plenty of them out there. Just listen to how the first church did it in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all those who believed, listen to this, were together. All those who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all who, and to anyone who had need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So, this early church, this first church, they gathered together with their calves. Amen? They gathered together with their babies, with their children, and they gathered for worship. And they noticed, I want you to notice this, that their worship was not tied to a particular style. It wasn't traditional or contemporary. Their worship was not tied to some kind of denomination. It didn't matter. It was Jesus. And there were no rituals. There were no formalities. There were no traditions. There were no hype. There was no entertaining exhibitions that were designed to hold their attention. No. The only bonding force that brought them together and kept them together and kept their interest was the fact that Jesus Christ had risen from the grave. That's what kept them together. That was the power of God demonstrated in these early church believers. They had a common purpose and they were joined together. They came together to worship. And incredibly, it wasn't something that had been commanded. Nobody commanded them to do that. It wasn't something that was demanded by God. They just wanted to do it. It was a natural response to worship Almighty God. They had this yearning. This yearning for God. And they wanted to be in His presence. And they wanted to be in His presence together as a family. I believe that God calls us to worship together. Together in Christ. But here is a reality check for you. And that is this. God's presence is in a personal building. Not a physical building. Somebody say amen. It's not in a physical building. God's presence is found in a personal building. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you. In 1 Corinthians, Paul shared with that church. He said, do you not know that your body is the temple Of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you. Whom you have from God. And you are not your own. No you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit. Which are God's. And then Paul wrote to another church. The church in Ephesus. And in chapter 2 verse 19. He says now therefore. You're no longer strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints of God. And members of the household of God. Having been built, right? You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, all of us together, the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. This is a great building. But it's just that. It's sticks and stones. Friends, you are the church. You are the temple of God. You are where God's presence resides. We, our bodies, is where God's presence is. We don't gather in this place because this building is where God is found. No, we understand that we are the temple of God. God is your sanctuary. And listen carefully. You are God's sanctuary. That's important. That's where he dwells. So as a believer in Jesus, you dwell in his presence wherever you are. Wherever you go, his presence is there to shine through you. Or not. Amen? So be overjoyed, y'all. This Christian life is such a great opportunity to live in the presence of God every single day and to let other people see the presence of God. Be overjoyed in His presence. Experience God in your worship when you come here to this place. Friends, God is so near that He can't get any closer. He is so near, He is in you. You can't get no closer than that. So let us be overjoyed. That God is our sanctuary and we are his. His sanctuary. But here's a second perspective that explains well how we can experience God in worship. And that is that God is not only our sanctuary, he is our strength. Going back to Psalm 84 in verse 5, the psalmist says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage." As they pass through the valley of Baca, that is the the valley of uh, weeping, they make it a spring, and the rain covers it with pools of blessings, and they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. The Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear to the God of Jacob. Oh God, behold our shield, and look upon the face of your anointed Jesus. Don't look at me, God. Just look at your anointed Jesus, your only begotten son. You see, God's strength is probably the the source of the greatest blessings in our life. Because I can't speak for you, but there are a lot of times in my life where I have just felt weak as a noodle. Amen? Just so weak. But consider this. You and I, as the vessels of God, we have access to To the greatest strength, the greatest power in the whole universe. We have access to God. We have access to God and He is in us. Every single day, He is in us. He is with us. You know, it used to be that when you were trying to sell a used car... Uh, And if your car had power steering and power brakes and and power locks and power windows. They used to say, it's got power all around. Well, I think that's a really good description of God. Amen. We got power all around. Everywhere we go, there's power all around. And wherever we go, he goes with us. You can't go nowhere, Christian. You can't go nowhere unless God has gone with you. So no matter how desperate things may get. No matter how difficult things may get in your life, you need to know that God is there in power. In power. Now, verse 5 tells us of a pilgrimage. That pilgrimage probably was a trip to the temple in Jerusalem. And this was always a great trip because everybody in the family was so excited about this. Get this. They were so excited about coming into the presence of God. They are so excited on this trip. Well, we too are on a pilgrimage, y'all. We too are on a journey. We're on a journey in God's presence that leads to God's presence in heaven. That's great. We're in His presence now, but we're going to be in His presence in heaven for all time. Now, I recognize that sometimes our trip gets hairy. I recognize that sometimes we fear off course. I recognize that sometimes you've driven your life right into the ditch. But the good news is this. God is always there to discipline you when you need it. He's there to comfort you when you're hurting. He's always there to direct you back to the road of blessing. If we will follow His direction. If we will follow the directions of God. And friends, we have every reason to be confident that He'll do that. Every reason, because God powerfully changes desperate circumstances. I've been in some rough circumstances in my life, and I've seen God be faithful and change every single one of them. It may not have been how I wanted it to that very minute, but when I look back, when I reflect back, I praise God even for the hard times in my life, because that was when he was disciplining me and drawing me back to himself. We can experience God. We can be overjoyed in his presence. And he'll be like a a cold drink of water in the desert. He'll be like fresh fruit in a dry land. And he will renew our strength even in the midst of our weakness. And as God transforms you and I into the image of Jesus Christ, guess what happens? You get stronger and you get stronger and you get stronger and you become more faithful. You become to walk with him closer. You become more overjoyed. As you worship him in his presence. So, listen, each time that we gather, let's gather and be overjoyed. Let's just experience God in his presence and let's do it every time we come here in a brand new way. I believe that we can do that. God is your strength today, even in the midst of your weakness. He is your power source every single day. Of your life. That being said. Let me share one last perspective with you. About how we can experience God. In worship. And that is not only is God our sanctuary. Not only is God. This incredible God. Who is our strength. God is also our supplier. Going back to Psalm 84. and verse 10. The psalmist says for a day in your courts. Is better than a thousand days. Elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. First of all, we're reminded that when we consistently live in God's presence... We're living a very excellent lifestyle, consistently living in the presence of God. The author says that God's way is so much better and that any other lifestyle does not even compare to God's way. Friend, we have so much more, but I think sometimes we fail to recognize that. The author of the psalm declares that he prefers to be a servant at the temple than a slave to worldly riches somewhere else. He prefers to serve the Lord than to serve anyone else on this planet. Friend, listen, God wants you to know the blessings of a true worshiper. He wants you to know what the blessings are as a true worshiper. And they far outweigh any temporary rich that someone else could provide for you. But not only is God's supply excellent, God's supply is also abundant. It's abundant and it's just what we need. He provides just what we need. Now I love this description of God. The psalmist says, God is a sun and a shield. The Christian finds that God is light and shelter. He finds illumination to his path and the Christian finds protection over his life. We have a sun for happy days and we have a shield for dangerous days. We have the sun above and we have the shield all around. We have light to show the way and we have a shield to ward off the enemy. Especially when it comes to our calves. Can I tell you friend that what the Lord offers is far superior to what anybody else can ever offer you. God lights our way and he warms our way. God guides the way and he provides protection for our way. What other response could there possibly be for our supply that we receive from God rather than joy? We should be overjoyed when we come into the presence of God. So let me ask you this. How important is God's presence to you? You like sometimes we wake up in the morning and we go through the routine of our day. We don't even acknowledge God, much less be overjoyed in his presence. Friend, do you even, do you seek God's presence? And if you're seeking God's presence, do you celebrate God's presence when you find it? Because that's what should happen. That should be the natural inclination for us as believers. We ought to celebrate the presence of God. see, a life with God comes with so many advantages. But so many Christians don't know the joy that comes with worship. They miss it. It seems their joy is missing. It seems that something is in the way. Maybe... Because they're not growing. Maybe it's because they're not seeking the presence of God. I remember a movie years back called The Chronicles of Narnia. And The Chronicles of Narnia was written by Christian author C.S. Lewis. And in this movie, there's one scene where this little girl named Lucy uh, comes into contact with this great lion... Named Aslan. And Aslan represented Jesus. Okay. And when Lucy comes into contact with Aslan. uh, After they've been apart for a while. She says. Aslan. You have gotten so much bigger. And Aslan says. Well that's because you are older. Little one. And Lucy scratches her head. And she says. Not because you are older. Have you gotten bigger? And Aslan says, no, I don't, I'm i not older. But every year that you grow, you find me bigger. You see, God doesn't change. But as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our worship of God, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger in our sight. And as He gets bigger in our sight, we find His greatness in new and fresh ways week to week. And I believe that's when worship can change from some kind of mundane experience to a a celebration. That's when our worship can turn from joy, from sadness to joy. That's when worship can turn into celebration and when people can really begin to experience The presence of God. Friend, if you want perspective. If you want reality. Just be a true worshiper of God. Be a true worshiper of God. Because when we worship God. For who he is. That is when we find our rightful place. That's when we find our place. Worshiping God. We begin to see God as he is in glimpses, and we begin to see ourselves as we are. And sometimes that ain't pretty. As hard as that can be, there's also something great about it. Seeing God as he is. So as you experience God in worship, I want to encourage you to bask. Bask in the presence of God when we gather together, when you're worshiping alone, bask in the presence of God. Because one day, one day you're going to enjoy the presence of God in a whole new way. A way that can never be accomplished here on earth. So as those who have come today to experience God in worship, let's be overjoyed. Let's be overjoyed that God is our sanctuary. That He's not far away. Rather, He is so near that He is in you. And wherever you go, there God is too. Let's be overjoyed that God is our strength. And He promises to be strong even in the midst of our weakness. Let's be overjoyed that God is our supplier. He supplies His own with everything that you could ever need. To live a graceful life and to experience your presence day after day, Paul wrote to the Ephesian church: "For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves; it is a gift of God. Lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. Friend, if you received the gift of God?" Have you received salvation and forgiveness of sin that only comes through Jesus Christ? I want you to know that today you can. And for you Christians, don't miss the opportunities to worship God and to be overjoyed in His presence. I would say that half of the Psalms are written in this joyful spirit as people have come together together And exalting God for who He is. Let's make sure that we follow that model. And are overjoyed in the presence of God. Father in heaven we praise you and we thank you. Lord we are just overjoyed to be in this place together. And Father we have experienced you in our presence. Not only as you have made us your but as we have gathered together in your sanctuary. And so we pray that you've been exalted. Father, we pray that our lives are going to be changed, that we can walk with a, a spirit of joy and not a, a spirit of sadness. That we can walk with a, a spirit of being overjoyed and rather than undergrateful. And Father, I ask you, Lord, to bless your people today. And if there's one who has never come, and receive the gift of God that only comes through Jesus Christ, I pray that they would receive your all-inclusive offer to be saved today from the price of their sins and to be assured that heaven is their home. And Lord, if there's a believer here that recognizes that, Lord, they just haven't been worshiping you the way you deserve, Lord, let this be their day to change things. And Lord, let their worship of you i uh, become more of an experience, more of a, an encounter with Almighty God. And I pray that our lives are changed as a result of it. Father, we love you today and we praise you today. And Lord, we exalt you today in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Amen.